Welcome to the Broken Method Arsenal. My name is Rich Williams and here we go with Series 3, Episode 6 of our podcast from Planet Football where we celebrate everything that Naughty's football had to offer. Joining me today, a Stoke supporter who turned up late for our last podcast and then proceeded to break off and take his child to the toilet midway through. It's Mark Holmesy-Holmes. Yeah, cheers for leaving that bit in, mate. Appreciated that. I just kind of feel that there is, look, we're all in strange times at the moment. Obviously, you know, everyone's working from home and all this kind of stuff. There is a level of professionalism. And when you have a high level guest like Stylian Petrov waiting to speak to you and you turn up late and then you need to take your kids to the toilet, I just think, I just think it doesn't reflect well on the brand. You know? You know? All I'm saying is there's two adults in this house. Point your fingers elsewhere. I will do. Uh, also, we have our Borough fan and uh, European footy experts who spent the last two weeks listening back to our podcast with Geiske Mendieta on repeat. Pete Farris is with us. Hello. Thank you. I enjoyed that. And I uh, even enjoyed the fact that I was the person that Mark had to take to the toilet. So that's... Uh, <laughs> so sorry about that, but it's just, it's still quite difficult for me. And at 33, I know, I, you know, I shouldn't have to explain myself, but thank you, Mark, for your help. Holmesy, you're not doing the thing with chocolate buttons, you know. If you do a wee wee, I'll give you a chocolate button with him, yeah? Or what? Oh, I've not heard about that one. He's just, just a very shy weir. It's, it's, it's cross to bear in life, but we're, we're getting him through it. All I want is Mark to stand outside the toilet and go, go on, you can, you can do it. For me, it was the phrase shy weir when I realised we'd reach a new low on the broken metatarsal. Uh, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Football Index, the football stock market where you can buy and sell players for real money. Sign up today at footballindex.co.uk and take advantage of their seven-day 500 pound money back guarantee season C's available online and if you get a moment check out begambleaware.co.uk so as we're at the final episode uh, before the new year we thought it might be a good opportunity now we have three series in to have a look back at some of the fantastic guests and some of our favorite clips uh, of the last or whatever I don't know 18 20 episodes whatever it might be uh, so that's what we're going to do we've all picked a few and th- there've been some corking guests haven't there it's been brilliant obviously um we've had some amazing big names this time around with Stan Petrov with Gatka Mendieta Martin Larson we hopefully have one more in the pocket although we're uh, we're trying to sort that out now but it's been really really good we've had interesting stories Danny Mills was absolutely brilliant he's a one man story machine which is which is amazing and great interviews across the series as well i mean speaking to Cherno Samba that was the first series but i could have happily walked away at that point a happy man. Yeah, you were extremely happy that day. No, there has been some great ones across the three series. I think you're right, Pete, this series in particular. Danny Mills was uh, was was phenomenal. It's funny because you may have noticed that we've only got three on today. Rob's too busy, apparently, preparing for Christmas and, and doing actual work. Let me tell you what I've been doing today. I've been watching a three-part documentary of the Beckham's pre-World Cup party from 2002. That's preparation. That's commitment. And when people say, what what do you do? Because they don't really know. That's it, really. Just sit, sit watching old YouTube videos. Is this the moment where we expose the fact that Danny Mills wasn't really there? And this is all just a lie. <laughs> I didn't see him on the video. <laughs> oh, didn't you? Really? I did not, no. Let's start off right at the beginning, really. Well, not quite right at the beginning. We'll get to the first one. We're sort of in a, a semi-chronological order, if that makes sense. Series one, which was, if uh, if Pete was excited about Guy Scamendietta, I was very pleased to speak to Dominic Matteo. But, you know, back then we spoke to him before his big health scare as well, which, you know, he seems to have come the, the right side of, which is which is so good. But this was back before then, and we spoke to him going back to the noughties. Uh, there was no way I wasn't going to be speaking about Leeds' Champions League run to the semi-finals. Glory days, as I like to think of them, but everything was absolutely fine and we didn't lose all the money in the club. But there was one thing he told us about, which was how travelling had improved under David O'Leary. And this very fits in with a spending money uh, kind of vibe. And he then introduced us to the now famous lasagna. We stayed in Ville d'Est, one of the best hotels in on Lake Como. We're all like, what's this place? We're used to the travel lodges and you know whatever else. And this place was like a different level. And I was I was saying I spoke to Mark Big Mark Vizuk on the phone the other day, chatting to him, speak to Mark every now and again. And it's just I remember him saying to me how nice the lasagna was. You know, it's them little things that I, that I don't forget. Big Mark was going, Wow, what time's dinner? What, what time's dinner? You never mind, we're playing AC, man. We're going to go down for a bit more of that lasagna. I, I love the fact that your, your memory of the San Siro is scoring a goal which takes Leeds through to the second qualifying stage of the Champions League over Dukes just talking about the lasagna. But that was, that, yeah. weirdly, doesn't that sum Mark Fiduka up as a player? Like this kind of huge physical like sort of specimen, but this phenomenal goal scorer. Powered Honestly, by lasagna. Yeah. 
<laughs> that lasagna was good. I mean, my, my, <laughs> my family made good lasagna, but that was right up there with it. It was uh, incredible. So there you go, Dominic Matteo and the lasagna in Italy, uh, the the crowning moment of a semi-final run to the Champions League, and it all came down to a lasagna. <laughs> a lasagna which Danny Mills couldn't even remember when we spoke to him about it later in the in the series. Yeah, it's amazing how like it, it was it was so at the forefront of Mark Viduka's mind, and yet for <laughs> Danny Mills, it was just, it was an afterthought, an afterthought. But you heard those stories about how before they were staying in kind of pokey little shacks and staying in these places that they didn't want to be, and then within seconds they're staying in Lake Como <laughs> and they're doing all these things that, like you say, Rich, eventually meant it was quite hard to pay every other bill. Uh, so there you go, Don Matteo uh, talking about the uh, run to the the Champions League semi final, which I might just add until Tottenham made it to the semi-finals quite recently. Uh, you know, Leeds were one of very few teams to have done that. Just thought I'd mention that. Man United, Chelsea. Very few. Precisely. <laughs> I thought you were going to say then, one of um, very few English teams to have been involved in a lasagna incident until Tottenham. Well, there's we also, also that, discussed. yeah. That's Arsenal, a whole other podcast. Arsenal got there. I don't understand what that point was, Rich. <laughs> it's Arsenal. a great Liverpool. achievement. Man United did it. Spurs did it, as you say. There's basically a lot of clubs who did it very few clubs have done it that was my point well in 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 relation to all of the world of football you've 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 got a good point and i'll take that thank you (laughs) uh so there you go Uh, if you want to listen to that of course there is the uh the whole episode uh with mickey peaker actually a comedian who was great on that yeah brilliant and we've had said before we've had some amazing guests in terms of the football side of things we've had some fantastic comedians coming on as well you know we've had mark smith we've had uh, alex brooker we've had Great people coming, Chloe Pets, all these really, really good comedians. And, uh, and that's been a real joy. Mickey, he's leads through and through, isn't he? And I mean that half as a compliment and half not. You can't not mention Danny, Pete. He's TBM oh, royalty. I apologise. Danny as well, who actually is royalty. I, yeah, I apologise. A man who I accidentally booked for the wrong day twice as well. And in that same episode when Danny was on for the first time, you almost booked the wrong Eddie Johnson. I did almost put the wrong Eddie Johnson. Oh my God, the Eddie Johnson! <laughs> I did. Uh, has that has that never made it to light, by the way? I think so. I okay. think it was half oh mentioned, but I almost booked the wrong Eddie Johnson. I was under a lot of pressure, as Mark can attest to. I just went down a, an Eddie Johnson rabbit hole and ended up with the wrong Eddie Johnson. Luckily, that Eddie Johnson wasn't available and the Eddie Johnson we needed was, eventually. Just for context, explain which Eddie Johnson we were after and which Eddie Johnson you contacted. <laughs> we were after the Eddie Johnson who played once for Man United. Yep. You went after the American, Eddie Johnson. I did. Who never played for Man United. He played for Fulham, so right league at least. But he's probably thinking, why would I be wanted on a podcast about Cristiano Ronaldo's rebirth at Man United? Now, luckily, I think I always just said we wanted to have a chat with you about the 2000s football. So you could have just thought I was trying to organise a lovely little chat. I would have yeah, much preferred nice. it had, had we not realised until the time and obviously we wouldn't have been doing that interview face to face either and I'm just going in with the first question of just like what was it what was it like being in the dressing room with with Sir Alex Ferguson what was he like as a man manager and just seeing what he said you know like that um that famous uh, BBC news bit where they put yeah, on the yeah, rock yeah, guys yeah, an expert yeah. and they don't really yeah. <laughs> driver, yeah. so he just he just starts answering the questions I would have been a little bit like that it would have almost been as right as the wrong Eddie Johnson to get that guy in that was a mistake, but luckily I sorted it. I fixed it, and that was not my finest hour on this podcast. But um... you say you fixed it, didn't Danny get as the real Eddie Johnson because he went to school with him? Yeah, but Correct. I fixed it. I fixed it. <laughs> I, 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 I fixed it by asking Danny to fix it, which is what a good producer does. And also, I did that whilst also mentioning to Danny that I booked him for the wrong day. <laughs> Love it. That's just a, a very, very small window into behind the scenes and what is a constant shambles. Let's uh, let's move on uh, to Graham Stack, who I think was one of my uh, favourite people to have on the podcast, just because, you know, if you want someone to give you a story, Graham Stack's got a bundle of them, hasn't he? <laughs> Knocking fans out as they attacked him on the field when he went out on loan early in his career is one of my favourite stories. It was one of the things I was desperate to talk to him about. And he told it really honestly, really fairly as well. I, that was a great interview, Graham Stack. Whilst you think we might have just spoken about the uh, the Invincible season and all those games that they went undefeated, uh, actually, in the end, it all came down to some boiled sweets. I remember one day I got on the bus with a packet of Weather's Originals and um, I think I bought a Diet Coke. And oh, school that, mate. What a meal for a, a professional athlete, that is. For a person I in the know. 20s as well. <laughs> well, this is it. And I thought, well, I go Diet Coke because I'm on the first <laughs> room bus. But I was on the YouTube team, so I'd have had a proper one. And um, 
me being me, I'm offering everyone a Weathers original, sort of like flying around offering everyone sweets. <laughs> and then I think the gaffer sort of seen it. And he's pulled um he's pulled the chef that we had on the coach at the time and just said, Look, just let Stacky know that he's got to throw them in the bin. <laughs> and I was like, shit, <laughs> I didn't realise. So there you go, uh, Arsene Wenger, uh, of all his achievements in football, banning Werther's originals from the coach uh, is definitely right up there. What I like about that as well, and I don't think I picked up on this first time around, is that Wenger didn't actually give the bollocking out himself. He got the chef to do it, to go and have a word with Stacky, you can't, the gaffer says you can't have them Werther's, mate, you're going to have to chuck them away. It's like like school, in it? Just go and, go and tell him you can't do that, naughty boy. Yeah, I thought that. I thought that Arsene Wenger being the brilliant manager that he was, you know, you just go up to your, your player and go, look, mate, you can't be eating Weathers Originals <laughs> or, or any kind of sweeted item. Just don't do it. And that's all that conversation had to be. But to pass it off to the chef is, <laughs> is unbelievably, and I like Arsene Wenger, but cowardly, I will say. Well, presumably this is after, well, it is after Stack has knocked a fan out on the pitch. So it's like, do you know what? Do I, do I want... <laughs> Do I want this argument in my life? Maybe I'll just send the chef down. <laughs> I love the idea as well. I love the idea as well of the chef going, look, Graham, right? I'll just slip him into your spaghetti, but just don't don't tell anyone, but just give me the bag and I'll just slip him in the spaghetti and you can just, you can have them in there. And also, by the way, are a couple of Werther's originals really that bad for a footballer? I feel sorry for Graham Sack because he also admitted in that clip that he'd already gone from full fat Coke to Diet Coke. You know, so he's already he's already dropped the sugar levels and now they're trying to take away his Werther's from him. How do they expect this guy to perform? I've never thought of Werther's as kind of performance blockers. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I would say that a Werther would probably spur me on to play football slightly better or at least with a bit more energy for a short period. At choke hazard, that would be my only concern. I always worry about that when, when players have chewing gum, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not saying you, you, you smash a Werther's in, like, on the bench and then charge onto the field, like... <laughs> I mean, a, pre- a pre-match, a pre-match um, snack rather than a... Imagine that, like all this p- performance gels, all of the Lucas A getting knocked back and there's just one bloke with just a Werther's just tipping him into his mouth. I'd at least go for the soft chews if you were going to do it. Just, oh, just, God, yeah. just from a health and safety point of view. Um, right, moving on. Uh, we also spoke, of course, about... Uh, and again, if we're going to speak about the Invincibles as a team, if we're going to speak about managers, uh, Mourinho, of course, is in there. And interestingly, Stephen Watt, who might not be... The first person that springs to your mind to think about when you're talking about Chelsea under Mourinho. But again, a bit like Graham Stack, got a really good view of it as a kind of bit part player. I think with Mourinho as well, <clears throat> we're fascinated by him, aren't we? We certainly were then anyway. Obviously, he's a great coach, great manager and the rest of it. But it was great just to find out what's, what's he like? And for that, you don't need to be Frank Lampard to tell us that. He was there in the dressing room. He was around the training ground. And some great stories, just like, what is it like to work for Jose Mourinho? So I thought that was a great episode. Lots of memories from that, including, of course, the very famous laundry basket. I remember one time the boys strapped or taped Monsieur Bill Blood to Mourinho's um, chair in his office at Harlan when he was first weeks of that at the club. And then obviously left him in a room for Mourinho to come in the room and I think Mourinho just wheeled him out and wheeled him down a corridor and left him. <laughs> you know, like, you know, just little, little silly, silly stories. Obviously, I think Mourinho's come out and said about the time where they put him in the, the kit basket when he was meant to yeah. be banned from the dress. Like, obviously, I was, I was there when that happened. And Did he pop out? Part- I imagine he sort of popped out. Like a jack in the box. Oh well, no. Well, he, well, he was in the locked. Like I was, I was, I was part of that squad for that for that um, Champions League. And it was Bayern Munich home. We won four two. I think Lampard scored up unbelievable at yeah. half volley. He was in the kit room in the changing room hours and hours before kickoff, and then locked in there when they came in and checked the dressing room. Then he popped out and then said his bit before a game. Locked him back in. They came and checked again. You know, it was <laughs> it's quite comical, really. And then, obviously, he was there watching a game where he'd been in the change room the whole time, communicating to people. So, it's good. There's good times. I'm just grateful I was able to be part of. So, Stephen, what they're reminiscing about Jose Mourinho's antics back in the day, where I think we could, you know, fun Jose, fun Jose, back in the noughties where everything was better and everyone was happy. I like the fact that in that clip, Stephen says they tied a player to a chair and left him in Mourinho's office. And Mourinho doesn't react. He doesn't joke. He doesn't kind of get angry about it. He just simply wheels the player out and then just goes back on with his day. And I really like, I like the I idea th- of him kind of not engaging, just going, this will happen. Please leave, <laughs> please leave my room. I shall carry on now. I, I love that. 
Yeah, I thought I wanted to know because he's quite. He was quite serious, just in the way he spoke. Uh, Stephen Watts quite serious and with his Scottish accent. Was it literally as deadpan as he described it? Walks into the office, physio's taped to a chair, no reaction, gets him, wheels him down the office, gets back on with his day. I really hope it was. Are you suggesting that it might have been uh, Stephen Watts' sort of uh, droll delivery of the story <laughs> rather than what actually happened and that actually there was, uh, there was fanfares going off? I'm saying it's open to interpretation, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> nothing more, nothing less. Moving on, uh, Sven Goran Eriksson at, at Manchester City was uh, one of the pods that we did as well. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I really, really love talking to Michael Ball because he got he got a real view of everything that was going on behind the scenes there. Sometimes the chairman come down to do a team talk. Um, you know, that they, they were things that I've never witnessed before, but it was all part of the madness at the time. But when it's winning... It's, and when you are winning, it's 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 good, but when it started sort of going a bit pear shaped, it's um, it was it was difficult. I got to ask you about that chairman giving a team talk because you know anyone who supports a football team, if you think for one moment that like, the chairman is going in there, you just it, that is the moment where you think, oh no, 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 what's going on? What what was the chairman's team talk? What does the chairman say to the players in a team talk like that? I can't really remember. I think a lot of the players' heads were down and sort of doing that thing in classroom and you're sort of looking up thinking like, is anyone laughing is anybody <laughs> it felt like you were in the classroom again uh, and it was I think it was just a, a rally cry to get us going really right, you know yeah. he, he was just trying to be a bit passionate and was it Adelia Smith was it Adelia Smith like yeah. the avenue was it one of those <laughs> it could have been yeah the tie phrase was we can't remember but <laughs> it was it was it was just a strange thing um, and you know Sven just you know, he just done a back step, let, let him do what he wanted to do. We left the changing room, we sort of just all looked at each other and like shrugged and went, right, okay. So, <laughs> what, what, that, what was all that about? Smile, smile know, and we, nod job, yeah. Yeah, it was one of them and I think Sven knew that. So there you go, the brilliant Michael Ball on our pod about City and Sven. And you've just, he didn't he just paint that picture absolutely brilliantly because you've all been in those situations, not, not obviously in a team talk, but in a situation in life where you just, your head's down and you're like, <laughs> laughing to yourself and like not me just don't pick me don't look at me just please don't laugh don't you know it's that kind of like laugh at a funeral mentality yeah. you're looking around at first obviously because you're trying to take this seriously and then someone like your mate across the dressing room will catch your eye and you'll know that they're they're on the verge of laughing so at that point you put your head down and you just don't look up ever again and hope that no one talks to you and you can get through this he was at one of those clubs in the noughties at a time where it just seemed totally bonkers. I mean, he talks about loads more about they didn't know which players were coming in, which players were going out. Like, it really is interesting to get his his view on that. And it all just felt a bit calamitous, really, at the time. Yeah, it did. We've done a couple of, of pieces on that season, which I've just long been fascinated by. Sven, just a hero among men. And then Saxon Shinawatra as well. There's a great bit when he when he talks about um, the chairman's wife coming in or something and saying, oh, we've got yeah. e- extra uh, masseuses in. And the physio, I think, sticks his hand straight up. Yeah, yeah, I'll have a, I'll have a time. I'll have a time. <laughs> Massage if one's going. <laughs> so, yeah, it just sounds like bonkers. And, you know, for a professional footballer, to be involved in that season, I think we, we always had to do an episode on that. As a player, like the moment a chairman steps in and starts like lambasting players or giving advice, you must just be like, oh, piss off. I mean, <laughs> seriously, at that point, you just must be, what are you doing? What is going on here? But still pay me. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And that massage you were offering, yep. <laughs> I think if, if we're going to take the noughties as a whole, which we tried to do with the podcast, probably one of the most spoken things about in, in its entirety in general is the golden generation. You know, that is the thing that we still talk about. Even, you know, whenever a tournament comes around, the golden generation gets mentioned. And, and that was a, a really, really interesting uh, podcast. And including that, we had Paul Koncheski, owner of Conchie's Cafe, which I was very interested to find out quite a bit more about. His, uh, his fry up in the morning looks absolutely sensational. And, you know, he got to talking about that England team. And I guess the thing we wanted to know about was about, you know, were there cliques, weren't there? That's the thing that everyone's always spoken about, right? You were a little bit too interested in Conscious Cafe. I think there's a good five minutes warm-up, as Richard Ferris is. <laughs> He's asking about menu items. <laughs> I was absolutely sick of that. Ca- I mean, don't get me wrong. It sounds like a great cafe. Paul Koncheski was wonderful. It was a nice opening question, but you wouldn't shut up about the cafe. <laughs> right. And can I, I listen, swear can I to God... Me? 
Right, let me explain. It takes me okay. so long to arrange that interview and you wouldn't show up about a cafe. Let me explain, all right? When you're interviewing someone, you want to make them feel comfortable. You want to warm them up nicely, which we failed to do on many occasions. <laughs> you want to make them feel special. My way of doing that was I'll always go for an interview. I'll go, have they tweeted something of interest or can I find out a bit about them? That's a little bit. They're not expecting that. I'll just be like, oh, thank you know, thanks for making the effort. Conscious Cafe was my in for Paul Koncheski. And in my defence, we got some gold. Like this. At the time, you, you you probably stick to what you know, and like you say, you you get clicky with a certain people, and you you try and stay with them people just so you feel feel welcome. But well, obviously, when it, when you you're, you're you're new to it, you just keep your head down. And I will what I will say is that you have dinner, and the captain he's the one who lets you go once you finish your food. No one's allowed to leave the table until the captain says so. Once the captain's ready to leave, then. Wow. All the, all the players allowed to go. So I thought that was re- very respectful and something I've never seen. But being with England, every, every meal the captain was the only one allowed to disperse you. And once he was ready to leave, then we was allowed to leave. So in and around everything, the, the, the captain um, was really respectful and that, yeah, he, he demanded them, them commands. Do you have to put your hand up if you need the bog? <laughs> <laughs> it was like being at school sometimes, but listen... You, you do anything to play for your country, so if that's what you had to do, you had to do it. Paul Koncheski, who I think actually uh, created Conscious Cafe, so he'd have somewhere where he could go to the toilet without having to raise his hand first and ask for permission. That's why I think he did it. All we're talking about is this cafe again. It's like it's a, it's like some kind of voodoo cafe. My big takeaway from the golden generation is Conscious Cafe. Nothing. Forget your Lampards, <laughs> forget your Beckhams, forget your Gerrards. It's all about Conscious Cafe. In all seriousness, I'll tell you what's interesting, though. So over the last couple of years, we've had people like Lampard, uh, Ferdinand, Gerrard go on you know, national television and say, there was cliques. We were we were kind of bred to kill. We were bred to to go after Man United fans, uh, Man United players, uh, Chelsea players. You know, we were meant to make these players our enemies and then go in to train with them in England. When we spoke to Paul Koncheski about it, and we mentioned it to Danny Mills as well, both absolutely fantastic Premier League players in their own right, but players who maybe weren't at those clubs challenging for the title, they didn't experience that. Yeah, it's a good point. Now, I mean, Danny Mills in particular summed it up. Perfectly, really. You just sit with your mates, don't you? you know, yeah. it's, it's nothing personal. I know him from the club. I, I room with him in away games. Of course, of course I'm going to sit by him. And in the case of Man United and Liverpool and Arsenal, there were loads of them, certainly Man United and Arsenal. So, of course, they sat next to each yeah. other. Was it actually that big of a deal? Maybe not. But we've always been looking for an excuse, haven't we? So, I don't want to be the ones that, that rule that out as an excuse for our failure. So it was a problem. Let's move on to something that we all absolutely unilaterally loved. Something that was such a part of our noughties and for lots of people growing up as well. Uh, championship manager or football manager, whatever you want to call it. And our chance to speak to the fantastic Cherno Samba. The first signing for many, many people whose stats in the game uh, didn't quite live up to the reality of how his career went. Although, as you'll hear when we spoke to him... You know, he's really proud of his career and rightly so. But those stats for championship manager uh, just made it almost in some ways unattainable. So here's what happened when we caught up with the brilliant Cherno Samba. Cherno, you've, you've said in, in interviews before that, um, yeah. you know, you've admitted that you were a little bit cocky at that young age. Mm. When, when, you, when you saw the stats, did you think, mm. yeah, that looks about right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're looking at the stats right now, Cherno, that's the thing. <laughs> Exactly, because you know, I was very, I was very confident in my own ability. You know, I would like it was a, it was a thing where right, it's time for me to go and score now. So I just go and get the ball, be about through you know, field defenders and score. So I was always, you know, um, um, very confident in my ability. And because of that, the thing what I found as well at the time, because I was you know, um, superior than everyone else, as they were saying, I was meant to win the World Cup for England in two thousand and six. The people weren't necessarily telling me what was best for me. So all the people that were around me, they was always telling me what I wanted to hear which it didn't help at the time because I was only young, do you know what I mean? But yeah. um, I took upon that sometimes to be a little bit cocky in terms of, yes, I'm better than everyone else and I didn't want to work hard enough. Um, when it was, you know, times to do 10 doggies, I probably do about six doggies. When it was, you know, to do it one hour in the gym, I probably do about 10 minutes and walk off because I was always, you know, I was always scoring goals and people always telling me what I want to hear when on, on in hindsight, I wish they were telling me, right, you are the best. However, you've got to put the hours in. You've got to work harder. And that's something that I'm trying to instill in these in these kids now. And I always tell people, and I wish I was those kids that walk from the back door, not from the front door, because I was, you know, what I mean by that is 
It was yeah. always, you know, everyone's talked about me and stuff. So I was, I wanted to be one of those kids where no one knew what I was doing. I'd get on my work, get on my work really quietly and then burst. But I burst very easy, very quickly. And with that, it brings pressure. I would have, you know, um, prolonged my career a little bit more and I would have played at the highest level, even though, don't get me wrong, a um, lot of people in life, how many people can say they've achieved their goals? And my goal was to be a professional footballer, played for England or play for Gambia at senior level. And I did all that. So, you know, it's just that, that the expectation that was put on me, it looks like a, a failed career. Whereas if you ask anybody, you know, I played in a championship, played in uh, in Spain and stuff. How many people can say that? Holmes, I love the fact that when you asked him, you know, when you saw those stats, did you think, oh, they're a bit high? And he was like, yeah. no, I thought they were, they were pretty reasonable. Yeah, I love that. that. That was exactly what I picked up on as well. And he was referring to what he thought at the time, but I got the sense that even now he thinks they were right about him back then. And I found it really interesting because of all the guests that we've had on on this podcast, he's maybe the one who maybe has the most regrets about his career. Although he was clearly very proud, you know, I think he, I think he was clear he regrets the way he handles himself in a, at a young age. And I found it really interesting to hear that, that kind of story from someone and him saying that, for an hour in the gym, he'd do 10 minutes and, it, you know, be first off from, from training because he was so good and he never had anyone around him saying, you are good, you are the best right now, but to carry on being the best, you've got to work hard, you've got to work harder than everybody else to carry on being the best. And then he started talking about what he's doing now to help young players. Uh, and I thought, what an inspiration he was, actually. We're talking about a number of years ago that Cherno Samba was a young man coming through. And there will still be a lot of young players now at the same age as he was then being advised as badly as perhaps he was then, or at least not being treated in the right way rather than advised badly. So it's interesting how that's kind of a tale as old as time, isn't it now? Certainly in the Premier League era, starting off in the 2000s, it's this big explosion of money and exposure and image rights and everything else. It kind of puts the willies up you a little bit and you go, well, which how are, young, how are young players getting... <laughs> this this podcast taking a turn. <laughs> all, right, Mrs. all right, Mrs. Slocum, chill out. <laughs> Um, that was my best Ben Foster impression for anyone who's never seen that clip. What is it? The Sky Sports guy says, anyone ever something with your balls? And it, ooh, absolutely <laughs> phenomenal Ben Foster clip. Um, yeah, and, and um, I've completely forgotten. <laughs> what about you, 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 you both just carry on to me, so I can't remember what I was saying now. I, I mean, I'm, that's all I can think about. I'm, I've, lo- I've lost the thread completely at this point. Uh, well, okay, how many more young players are being advised badly, and how many more young players could reach the potential if they were uh, advised better? Done. There we go. Uh, the thing I liked about it as well is just that thing that I always think of, and it's the same for all, all football games, which is just how ace is it be to just be able to sign yourself or play as yourself on FIFA or whatever it might be? That's just got to be a great feeling. Well, I and he actually... didn't even play it, did he? So imagine being a player then who wouldn't sign themselves because you know you're not that good in the game. You see <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Flipping it around, yeah. Uh, okay, let's let's move on um, because we also have, as part of a player special here in Series 3, uh, we spoke to Stan Petrov. And, and Mark, you know, we, we got to speak to Stan. What a, what a good guy. Um, really nice to speak to him about so many things. But one thing in particular was the story, and it was quite funny because, Holmes, I knew you were like, you were itching to ask him <laughs> this question. I know you were like, you're just waiting for the right moment. And then it, it landed and it fell. And you asked him the question that you have to ask question, uh, that you have to ask when you're speaking to Stan Petrov. I mean, did you get any extra money from working on the burger van? Because for anyone who doesn't know this story, you had a pretty unique way of, of learning the language, right? Uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's my friend's. Uh, that was my friend's business. Uh, he had on a house. He was working as a security guard at Celtic, but he had the burger van who his, his wife was uh, was running. So you know the funny things is uh, a few times we went for food and um, we, uh, he realized that I I am really struggling about ordering and making an order and understanding how everything works around that. Uh, that area so he said you know what what is good to do is come over sometime uh and i was having one or two burger guys i want i want like (laughs) (laughs) but he said you can sit around and just listen about how people place their order how people you know i've i've heard some great way of ordering food i've heard some bad ways i've heard some good language some bad language uh but it was a great experience so i could um you know people say may, may i have some people say hey can i have so it's uh it's it's different way of talking so you explain to me listen uh did you hear that person that that was more polite way sometime if you're friends you're allowed to say that way um and you know what uh funny uh, funny things this guy 
when you're around there, there's a lot of people coming around. There are a lot of people talking. So now at the start, I started with, um, with you know, how are you? So when somebody says, how are you? I'll, I'll, I'll listen to their reply. So in the next morning, I'll walk in the dressing room and I'll say, good morning, guys. How are you? And everybody, everybody would turn around. I was like, yeah, good start. How are you? And I said, <laughs> I was very good. And the next thing will be, how's your day? And, and that's how I build up. That's how I build up of how, how to learn the language or how to do it how to uh, integrate myself into the team. And you know, the funny thing is, guys, I had a very difficult time. But as soon as I showed that, that uh, effort to, to become part of that team, the boys are straight away. They clocked it straight away. They went, yeah, we want to help. So all of a sudden, I had a group of players that are now thinking, yeah, Stillian, they call me Stan, is actually making the effort. So there you go, just your regular noughties uh, football player then, uh, helping to understand common culture with the use of a burger van. It was, I love how he said I was having one or two burgers along the way as well. The thing what I loved most about him was everything, actually. He was early, which obviously I've been chastised for being late. Actually, I was just on time. Stan was early. He stayed on talking to us after the pod had finished for another five or ten minutes. Just a lovely bloke and seemed to genuinely enjoy it. Um, he was really, really funny, especially off air. He was a really good crack. And also, he was just so honest about un- how unprofessional he was when he was a kid. Like, he kept on talking about these nights out, the, the one we dare not mention in Newcastle, having burgers on the burger van, and then, yeah, just trying to pick up the accent from serving pissed-up Glaswegians at a weekend. I like the idea of um, him and Graham Stack leading parallel lives where Graham Stack's uh, <laughs> stuffing Diet Cokes and uh, Werther's down and Petrov's on the burgers at uh, the other end of the uh, the island that we live on. You just see the Celtic chef put his head around the corner of the burger van. <laughs> uh. but, but, I mean, obviously I, I wasn't on for that one, but when listening to it, I, I thought, again, what stood out, we've just spoken about how, how, how Cherno Samba possibly wasn't advised in the right way or wasn't given the right kind of mentoring. And what really stood out from that one was Brian, this security guard come burger van owner who kind of sounds like he took Stan Petrov under his wing and helped him and, you know, did all these wonderful things, you know, gave him a lift there and back to, to training and um, spoke him through the language. And we talk about, you know, being mentored or being supported for young players or for foreign players. That, that relationship sounded really, really important. And actually it was a really sweet um, story that I thought. Well, they have player yeah. liaison officers for that exact reason well, yeah. these days, but they're doing it for, you know, dozens of, of signings and and players whose first language isn't English. This was just one guy, Brian, who decided to take it upon himself. I don't know if he did it for other players, but it sounded like he really took Stan under his wing. And like you say, he probably made his career in, in Britain because he said, you know, he was struggling to understand what people were saying on the pitch and in the dressing room, picking up the banter and the crack and all that. And then slowly but surely... He started to get that from, from from Brian and working on the burger van. And then you're going for a bit of banter. How are you? You know, you can answer back. And then the place sort of talked to him, appreciated that he was that he was doing his bit, and obviously went on to become a legend. So long live Brian. Absolutely. Yeah, if Brian was doing this with quite a few players, and you know, maybe he was just doing it for cheap labour on the burger van. We shouldn't <laughs> rule, we shouldn't rule that out. Just it did seem like he was paid in only burgers because I asked because that was talking about you know really struggling money wise, and that was why the question come up: Were you not getting a bit of cash on the side from? From your mate on the burger van, but uh, I don't think he was, you know, just your burger. And that was I am just checking. Brian's got a whole fleet of burger and sausage and all kinds of vans and he just staffs them with <laughs> Scottish Premiership players. I'd like to make it uh, just uh, public that we are not suggesting, Brian, <laughs> uh, that you and your burger van have been using uh, professional footballers for cheap labour. Uh, from Eastern uh, Europe. <laughs> from Eastern Europe, yeah, great. Kind and of what we'll you did suggest there, Rich, but yeah. No, yeah, no. which is why I retracted it. And we'll swiftly move on. Um, let's talk about Danny Mills. Now, um, Holmesy, on the basis that your preparation for this podcast is <laughs> purely around this story, I'm, I'm just going to say, this better be good, mate, because Danny Mills did speak to us about lots of things uh, to he do did. with his career oh. and to do with England. But the one thing that we were speaking about was before the 2002 World Cup. Obviously, when they were there, we had the story about the drug testing that they went to the room and there's Ronaldinho and Cafu, not who you're wanting to see when you've just been knocked out uh, by Brazil in the World Cup. But it's the pre-World Cup party at the Beckham's place. That was our favourite. Beckham invited everybody to his house. Um, and there was this whole Japanese theme for the England players, allegedly. 
England players had three tables at the back of the room, a room of about 700, 800 people, I think it was. Uh, we, we were tucked in the corner next to the toilets, uh, next to the portaloos. Uh, and it was just a who's who from the world of celebrity, from the world of film, from the world of music. I think Mick Hucknall sang, you know, at that time. It was just, it was just phenomenal. The table next to us were steps, bizarrely. Um, that was a bit of a weird one. Um, in, 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 in front of that Sandwich was... Sandwich between steps and the bogs. There you go. Well, yeah, and, and then I think to, to the left was Ray Winston and, and his sort of table and, and his family, whatever. In front of that was Natalie and Brulia and Baby Spice. That was a decent looking table, not going to lie. Um, and it was just, you know, Elton John was there. You know, Joan Collins was there, for goodness sake. <laughs> This was just, it was bonkers, absolutely bonkers what was going on. And, and the dress code was white tie and diamonds. I didn't even know what white tie, white tie was back in 2002, let alone white tie and What diamonds. is white tie? Come on, tell me. I don't know what it is. Well, it was, it was supposed to be white tuxedo, I believe. Yes, oh, right, no, okay. I, wasn't, I was okay. not turning up in one of those. Um, that is for sure. Um, that's, uh, and the diamonds, what did you wear, definitely then? not. I think it was a plain black suit because the kids were invited as well. Um, and, and I wasn't going to go originally. And I thought, like, this is not really my scene. This is not what I'm going to do. And of course, the, the wife sort of twisted my arm. We are going. <laughs> this is Bosch and Bex. We are going. I said, yeah, but we got, you know, the kids and stuff. Well, the kids are invited. I spent most of the four hours, I think, in the kids' marquee. And, and, when, and when I say marquee, this is bigger than the pavilion at Ellen Road. And it was like bouncy castles inside it and all that type of stuff. I think my kids were like one and three at the time. So I spent an awful lot of time in, in there. Uh, but yeah, it was just a, a bizarre, surreal experience of just everywhere you looked, there was A-listers and then steps. What was the strangest conversation you had that night? Ray Winston was good. Uh, he, he was a really nice guy. Obviously, lo- loves his football uh, and was into that. Uh, I think at the time, I think at one point, went to the went to the Portaloos, quite posh Portaloos, I have to say. Um, and, and, and Bex was in there and you know so my, my little lad sort of, who's three at the time he's got a little bit of idea of football at this stage he sort of just looks up and he sort of he stood there having a wee next to David Beckham and I'm thinking don't, please don't spray it over him please don't spray it <laughs> <laughs> Danny Mills painting the picture of urinating next to David Beckham at the party from David Beckham where all the stars were there including Steps Holmesy this is what you have pinned your research on <laughs> this week's pod so what have you got for us mate? I said it on the podcast and I'll say it again. Definitely the favourite thing that's come out of any of the podcasts. I would quite happily have done a full episode just on that. It was just the best five, ten minutes of my adult life, really, just hearing about this (laughs) celebrity come football, a party from 2002. Um, And brilliantly, I found a three-part YouTube doc. It wasn't originally on YouTube, it's on YouTube now. Uh, documentary all about that party so I thought I'd watch it this morning and I just picked out a few of my favorite quotes uh, to regale you with so uh, here is we it go. better than the is it better than the Neil Warnock documentary we mentioned in one episode that's a big question Rich I'll have to have a long think about that but <laughs> certainly quotes it's right up there and you can guess which Beckham says the quote if you like oh yeah go for it so this is referring to the white tie um, theme. It's more than smart. It's it's glamorous look more than anything. Now, when you say you can guess which Beckham said that, there's only two of them at the time, presumably. <laughs> well, three including Brooklyn, but I don't think he was All much right. of a wordsmith. So who said it, posh or Bex? Is that is that your question? That is my question, yeah. It's more than smart. It's glamorous look more than anything. That's got Bex written all over it, but a pre-briefed Bex. It is oh, Bex. What? Yeah. He's been told what to say, though. That's off for like an auto cue or a prompter. It's amazing. It's definitely worth a watch because you think of what Victoria and David are like now. So polished and everything they do. They're not at all. We thought they were at the time, but looking back now, they're just young kids who don't really know what they're doing. And you can tell a lot of it they're being told to say. And there's some really awkward moments. It's like it's like The Office. It's like going back and watch The Office. It's phenomenal comedy. <laughs> it's quite hard to be polished in a sarong, though, right? <laughs> yeah, this was one from Bex as well. If either of you can guess who he's talking about, I'll give you the all the money that we've made from the podcast, which will bankrupt. Oh, wow, Re- retirement beckons in a hundred yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> so she was one of the first people to send me a message after I got the injury. Who is David Beckham talking about there? 
I'm going to go with Kerry Katona. Not a million miles away. <laughs> Louise Redknapp. No. Oh. But Gabrielle. No, but it's Oops. Beverly Knight. So oh. you're all along the, <laughs> along the right lines. Solo female. Beverly female. Knight. Yeah. Uh, she was at the party. What's the connection there? Just celebrity circuit, isn't it? We, we know that we know that Mick Hucknall and Steps were at this party, Rich. There's no connection. If you if you if you've got an agent, you're in. They would have made a great couple as well. Bevan Becks would have oh, been a great yeah, couple. That would that have was worked, that wouldn't it? Opportunity missed there for the marketing gurus. Any more for us, Holmesy? Loads more. Here are some of my favourite <laughs> from Victoria, who is a comedy genius. Uh, someone's fallen in a bloody water feature. It's <laughs> it's a personal favourite of mine. Sorry, was that Michael Caine? <laughs> Is that another carry-on thing? <laughs> no. Could, could you possibly give us that again, but not with the accent, because it was impossible so, to work out what you were saying. Someone's <laughs> fallen in the bloody water feature. No, that's with an accent, Holmesy. <laughs> Just do it deadpan, please. I can't. So, I can't because I've heard it. You're, 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 some... you're, reading, you're reading it like you're only just learning English. Someone... <laughs> has fallen in the bloody water feature. It's the word bloody. You can't do it without... <laughs> You're only supposed to blow the bloody water feature up. <laughs> this is someone at the parties done that. Yeah, it was, it, it, it was pre-party. Is that Brooklyn? Is that it was, Brooklyn? It could, it could have been. It could have been. It was pre-party. Uh, if you thought that the wedding was camp, you haven't seen anything yet. Okay. <laughs> was, was nice. Posh again on, on the white tie. It's caused a lot of consternation amongst the guests. Everyone said to me, what is white tie and diamonds? It's just basically anything really, really glamorous. So you can kind of see why Danny Mills was confused by exactly what was required of him. I think Danny Danny Mills said his response in the podcast to the dress code was, yeah, well, I won't be wearing that. I think that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's what Danny said. Uh, but if you want to hear more about that and the uh, the aforementioned party and, and maybe catch up on the YouTube documentary, well, the one that's on YouTube at some point to hear uh, this being said, not in Mark's accent, uh, then feel free to do so. But that episode is well worth a listen. Lots of stuff. I, I know we're not going to play the clip of it, but also when they got, was it Sapporo they went to the the, um, yeah. the stadium with the dome and they just got out there and the first thing they did, uh, professional as always, was try and kick the ball as high as they could to see the first one who could hit the roof. Plus we got and, insight into uh, Danny and uh, Jeff uh, Winter's relationship as well, which I enjoyed. I know you're all really keen to talk about the football nap, but can I just give you at least one more quote to leave you with? Go for it. Posh again. If Sting was coming, Sting and David could do some fantastic tantric in his outfit. <laughs> I, th- I think that needs another Ben Foster from you. <laughs> Ooh. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> okay. I think wow. we'll probably leave that there. Um, if we wow. were in dodgy territory with uh, with Brian and the burger van, I think we're entering to even more dodgy territory uh, if, right now. If anyone wants more, hit me up on Twitter. I've got loads. Literally loads. <laughs> okay, let's speak to another thing that you're very, very fond of, Holmesy. It's been a running theme since we started this, which is your excuse to mention your favourite player at any given opportunity. Uh, Ricardo followed the... Have we since established he was, in fact, the most talented player to appear in the Premier League in the 2000s? I think, we, I think Martin Larson confirmed that, didn't he? Um, I'm not sure he necessarily confirmed that home. In, I think in so many of, words. I think you kind of put him on the spot a little bit. Um, if it, I love if it's fair Martin Larson. Martin Larson kills this. Uh, there, is a, there is a line from Martin Larson in this clip where he absolutely kills it. The way that he responds to this, Mark, is, is I love this. What can we say? We warmed him up terribly and then Holmesy goes in with this. If we're in the mood um, for bringing things up, Martin, there's a little running joke on this podcast about my love for one particular player. Um, Here we I'll go. Say, I'll say, <laughs> I'm sorry. Here he comes. I'm sorry in advance, but I'll say his name and just, just see if anything springs to mind. Might not be the fondest of memories for you, but Ricardo Fuller. Yeah, Stoke. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that goal he scored? You scored in the same game, actually, the 3-2. I did, yeah. I've, I've seen it again after and... Um... Honestly, I I don't know I don't know what I sh- what I should uh, should have done you know otherwise you know I think he made an incredible move and uh, it was just uh, just a great goal but as a defender I mean you look a bit stupid but uh, at the end of the day I think I think the goal and what he did was uh, was just perfect. Well said. I've told you before, Mark. We we are terrible at warming guests up. <laughs> I, I've mentioned. 
Leeds. You've mentioned Ricardo Fuller's goal, which uh, on, Martin he goes on about the whole time. I am I am genuinely apologetic to you. <laughs> My 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 confidence is fine, so just. I purposely no didn't shave, so I thought I might remind you of, of Ola uh, next yeah. next to at centre. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. You got it, Holmesy. Ricardo Fuller is quotes and quotes the greatest foot. Did he? Isn't, I'm sure that's what he said, wasn't it? The greatest footballer but, ever to work walk the planet. Earth. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much what he said. Quote right, unquote yeah. was was just perfect, um, which kind of sums it up really. <laughs> I like the fact that you. <laughs> You, you basically, I don't know whether it was, like I said, we didn't warm him up very well. And he's a, he's a great interview. He's really interesting. And the stuff he talked about when he was over in Italy, by the way, is the relegation playoff is well worth a listen. But I just like the fact that you did that whole bit about Ricardo Fuller and you're like, okay, well, that's finished now. <laughs> so then from there, your, your only way out of that was to flirt with him by saying you'd grown a beard to be, to be like Olaf Melberg to make him feel at home. Yeah, again, no, Rich. It's the editor. It's the editor. You stitched me up again. This series has just been a, a means to embarrass me. Mate, well, that was. You I, sound I, like you're flirting with him. I was on the other end of the line there. I wasn't on the interview, but I was. I was on the other end of the line there, and I made notes. You know, as, as I tend to do. You know, this when it talks about this in Gazeta della Sport and all this stuff. And there's a bit where it gets to the moment, the minute where you where you do where you do kind of flirt with him, Mark. And I've just put question marks I just left it he put, loved it he loved it <laughs> the, the good for you is one of my favourite good for you good for I, you I, I absolutely love that he was good as well he did good for you and my confidence is fine thank you yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay that's fine we'll move on then. not a problem um, we got one more for you as well um, I, and, and Holmes you, you seem to have found yourself at the centre of another shitstorm I would uh, I would say here this was right at the end of series one where look Holmesy we haven't worked together before this podcast and we did a whole series and I'd had my suspicions during the series <laughs> just by some of your behavior that you know maybe you weren't as smart as you like to make out I mean look, that's all I'm saying and then we end up with the the decade debate 2020 will then be 20 years since the start of the noughties which is kind of like a little bit Bonkers in itself, isn't it? But only 11 years since the end of it. How the hell is that true? 2009, 2009 2020. No. So that's how it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that fact or fiction? 10 years and one day, isn't it? It's not. It's not 11 years, is it? This is petering off into We're really rubbish at maths. We've discovered that. That's right. It's not 11 years, is it, since 2010? I think you would class it as 11. I've got to say, I think you would class it as 11. No, 2009, the last. Yeah. What, so it's 2020, how this long is, ago was... What so is it? On January the 1st, 2020, how long ago was 20, 20, 2010 in Utah? 11 years yeah, ago. That's the 10s. That's the 10s. That's the different decades. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still, we're done. I'm still, okay, but the day before... Again, again, this is what it's 2009, like. 2009, <laughs> December the 31st. I'm just, oh, yeah, yeah, 10 years. Right, Holmesy, there's only one question before we end Series 3 here, uh, having looked back. Have you now worked out... What a decade is. I stand by it. <laughs> <laughs> Two series later, I do stand by it. I think there was there was sense in what I was saying. I don't think you're completely wrong, but I don't agree. And I don't it, it, it that whole debate, I was I clipped that up and I was sitting listening to it, and that whole debate, it leaves me really confused because I'm absolutely positive that you're wrong, and yet I'm not also entirely sure that you are. He's done that on purpose. He's done that thing of say it enough times and say it confidently enough. It's what prime ministers do. Just say it over and over again, give the message, and then eventually people will speaks. believe you. Two series late, you're taking the piss, and I'm still right. Holmesy, do you know what you're doing here? Do you know what you're what? doing here? This is what, when you interview um, former players, what they try and do is they try and rewrite history a little bit to make it look more favourable for them. They all do it. They're all guilty of it. If they've left the club and it's been a little bit sort of... Uh, acrimonious. They try and regret history. This is what you are doing here, Holmesy. We're not going to let you do it. You don't know what a decade is, and Ricardo Fuller is not the greatest player that has ever walked the earth. How dare you? How dare you? I don't mind being a joke just as long as I'm involved. <laughs> not a problem. Uh, this episode was brought to you uh, by our friends at Football Index, the footballing stock market where you can buy and sell players for real money. Sign up today at footballindex.co.uk and take advantage of their seven-day £500 money-back guarantee 
T's and C's available online. And if you get a moment, check out begamblerware.co.uk. Uh, you can subscribe, you can rate and review the podcast as well. And you can email us contact at planetfootball.com. If you were going to suggest one of all the podcasts we've done from start to finish so far, uh, for someone to have a quick listen back to that they haven't done yet over the Christmas period, Pete, what would you go for? Uh, I think, truthfully, as much as it was lovely to talk to Gareth Commendieta, I think the Danny Mills uh, podcast might stand as our strongest from, from start to finish. It's a really, really great interview, that. He's so, so good. I know he does a lot of media stuff, but this, it was just a non-stop story, Uzi. It was, it was wonderful to hear. It was really, really good. So I'd say Danny Mills, probably. Holmesy? Yeah, a bit of recency bias creeping in here. Um, the Neil Warnock one I thought was great, but Stan Patchov, I think, was, was, was a real good laugh. Well, there's only one I'm going to suggest, and that's um, the... Stoke. The, the pod... Stoke! No, <laughs> definitely not. Do you know what? The Stoke podcast was really, really good, and I genuinely enjoyed doing that. Danny Higginbottom was great in talking about the Delap throw and all that kind of but, stuff. It's got to be the podcast, uh, which, of course, talks about Conscious Cafe, uh, the golden generation. And if you want the extended version of our chat, me and... Uh, Conchi about Conchi's <laughs> Cafe. I'll happily email that to you. Not a problem. Just uh, contact at planetfootball.com and I'll happily send that over to you. It's got a lovely menu down there. Uh, right, that is the end of this series. We're hoping to have something special lined up, aren't we, Holmesy? We are. I, I mentioned him quite early in the series. I said, we think we've got to play from the golden generation. Um, and I'm going to say his name just to put the pressure on a little bit more. He, was, he had agreed to do it. Um, for, unfortunately, the, the timings didn't work. We're hoping to come back for one more um, in the new year with the great Emil Heskey. So Emil, obviously, is part of the project that Stan and Geithke are doing, which is Player for Player. And a big thanks to Zhao and everyone at Player for Player for helping us out with those guys. So, yeah, if we can get Emil Heskey down, that'll be another amazing interview. And it would have been a very strong series, I think. I've, I've enjoyed this one. I've enjoyed chatting to these big names very well. And in, I've really enjoyed talking to Geithke Mendieta. I know that. Yeah, I know. You've, you mentioned that a few times. Uh, Holmesy, if we were to get Emil Heskey sorted out, how much in advance do I need to let you know so you won't turn up late, pal? Um, I won't be late for Emil. I've decided that. Too much oh, of a hero. That is a right slight on some of the other ones you have been late for, mate. I'll tell you what. <laughs> tell you what. I Outrageous. Know. I wasn't late for Stan. I wasn't late. I was I on time. I believe you've just said that. Emil Heskey is I'm, right up there for me. With my I head. am going to end this. I'm going to save you... F- Holmesy, I'm going to save you from yourself here and end this podcast right now before you say something you regret. Uh, Listen, have a great Christmas. Uh, If you're listening to this and it's not Christmas time, then obviously I hope you had a great Christmas. Uh, But have a great Christmas, a brilliant new year, and hopefully we'll see you back for Emil Heskey uh, here on the Broken Metatarsal. 